Hi, I'm David Windsor, a journalist by trade, and as ever, I'm joined on the podcast by Mr. Unplugged, Hector Hughes. Each week, we explore the wonderful world of switching off in a world that is always on. And today, we're joined by Shafi Musadiq. Shafi's a journalist covering the Baltics and the Nordics for The Guardian, iPaper, and other publications. And today, we're going to be chatting about all things Estonia, where Shafi's based, and the Nordic culture of cabins and detaching from the big world of tech. So, Shafi, first of all, it's, uh, it's really good to have you here today, mate. Thanks for, for peeling yourself away from, uh, from, from Tallinn and coming back to, to Big Bad London, where, where of course, you've, you've kind of lived your whole life. I mean, you're, you're one of those rare breeds, like a genuine born and bred Londoner. Yeah, you don't get many Londoners who are born and raised here and then like lived here basically all their lives, right? Most people who live in London have come from elsewhere, whether it's elsewhere in the UK or international. Um, so yeah, London is deep in my veins. London Underground is my first memory. Like you can't get more London than that. <laughs> what, like, what is that first memory of interest? It's the, it's the smell of the London. You know that musty smell? Right, right. I quite like it. I'm not going to lie, guys. Like it's, it's dirty. <laughs> first time I've ever heard of like the smell of a London underground. So yeah, of human sweat. That should be the criteria for a, for a proper Londoner. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like, lived there all my life. Lived here all my life. Um, bar a stint in France in 2019. And, you know, I get this reason. Why did you leave? to you know not france or germany but to the other side of europe it's quite radical um and like i reached a bar during the pandemic mentally psychologically um i love london so much but there is an addictive quality to london that can sometimes get out of control and i don't think we when we live in such a dynamic city we don't realize what that addictive quality is so it's like FOMO or like feeling like you've got to go out every day and do something and if you don't then you're missing out like and that's there's constant stimulation and that is a big reason as to why I left um and just general quality of life you know having your own studio apartment that's affordable um and just I'm a big believer that everybody has to change their soil we're a bit like plants we've got to uproot ourselves and you know, shake ourselves a bit once in a while. Um, and I think for me, I think a lot of people might resonate resonate with this point, but I was, I was very much in my status quo of living, almost zombie-like. And uh, yeah, it's a really big reason why I moved. I mean, it, just, just for those who don't know, and I don't think I did know Shafi uh, before you told me you were moving there, uh, where is Tallinn? Because it is, it's, I mean, it's right on the Russian border and kind of a stone's throw from, from Finland. Uh, so it's, it's not quite near the Russian border. So Estonia does border Russia. So you have the Baltic Sea and you have Finland to the north, Baltic Sea in the middle, Estonia, and then underneath is Latvia and Lithuania, the Baltic nations. Um, so Estonia, that, it, it's a crossroads culturally. It, it has Scandi culture, but it doesn't have the Nordic brand like Sweden. You know, we think of Sweden, meatballs and ABBA. Um, you know, we think of Finland and, you know, snow and the Moomins or whatever. Estonia doesn't have that branding, but it has that culture. Uh, and they're in a bit of a crossroads because they've had 30 years of capitalism. So you have this kind of um, market economy. But deeply ingrained is this Scandi culture. So I say to a lot of people, I live in a Scandi city, but on Polish prices. <laughs> was was Tallinn and Estonia was that a conscious decision by you or fulfilling a childhood dream or it, oh, I mean 
no, I never thought I would leave London. And when you're when you live, when you're born and raised in London, you don't have to leave because everybody comes to you. You know, everybody in the world. You you guys know you have every single community here available. So for me, I didn't have to go out. I didn't have to search for other people. Um, and that was a real struggle as to to the moving process. Um, but in terms of why Estonia, long story short, digital nomad visas, a little bit of a loophole to Brexit. Um, essentially, if you're a remote worker, you know, you can apply for these visas. It's very quick and short. Mine was 80 euros, 80 euros. Applications in English takes 10 minutes. You get your visa in five working days. I'm in. Um, so it's more kind of a bureaucratic process in some ways. But yeah, it's uh, it's also being a journalist, you are a storyteller. So I'm in a culture that's completely different. And everyone's like, oh, why don't you go to Portugal or Spain? Lovely places. I know you're partial to a bit of sun yourself, Dave. But it's, it's a bit, for me, it's more, it's something where you're not chasing the sun. You're chasing a quality of life, which I didn't have in London, um, which I have now in Estonia. I mean, you mentioned that you're, you're I mentioned that, you know, you work for, for publications like The Guardian, you should read Shafi's stuff. It's a really interesting take on like that part of the world and how it influences uh, around it. Um, but how do you find, you know, a lot of people move to London or big cities because everything's so plugged in. And as you said, like mm. everyone comes to you, everything's around you. So the stimulus is, is there to, to kind of make things happen. Uh, or it certainly feels like the stimulus is there to make yeah. things happen. But somewhere like Tallinn, I don't know, population must be... 400,000. That right, is the okay. size of two London boroughs probably. Yeah, it's not much, <laughs> right? And you imagine going from a city of ten million to that—it's complete sea change. What, um, what was the big difference? <laughs> just the just the kind of the constant noise of the city, or you know, when I moved there, the first thing I noticed was the quiet. There is quiet, and there's quiet. It there, there's a quality to the quiet. It's I can't even describe it. It's within the people themselves. Um, it can be quite melancholic in the winter. And don't get, I moved in February, right? Minus 12, this much snow. Don't do that. Big mistake. Do not do that. <laughs> Esoteric life advice. Don't move yeah. to Tallinn in February. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it's not even the cold. It's the dark. You can't get yourself out of bed in the morning. Um, and it's, it's really penetrating, the dark. But um, in terms of the difference, uh, you can hear the birds you can hear yourself think and as a creative person both of you guys know this as creative people you need a foundation of silence to be able to be creative um in different countries are different souls so like i think those nordic countries the soul of those countries is in nature whereas somewhere like the uk or you know spain or whatever the, the soul of those countries is in urban life and that's something that's been a learning curve for me, has been understanding the soul of a country is in its quietness, which is really difficult at times because, um, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a people person and you need, you do need a balance of movement and quietness. And that's something I'm still trying to figure out. Yeah, it's interesting. We were actually just chatting before pod about how, uh, you know, cabins such as the ones that Unplugged have, they're actually really prevalent in um 
you know, Scandinavian culture. And I think even like Brits would immediately associate cabins in the countryside and in the wilderness with that part of the world. Whereas it's not necessarily the case for, for the UK. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily equate the UK with cabins, would you? Um, yeah, I, I, just thought, I just thought that was really interesting, Shafi. Is it, I mean, is it because everyone's got the money to have a cabin in the countryside or just the countryside facilitates it or it's just something that gets handed down through generations? It's the opposite. It's, what, it's not the building itself. It's the essence. So um, in the Nordic countries, in the summer, everybody goes to a summer retreat, which is you know, a, a cottage slash cabin. But it represents you know, your grandfather, your grandmother. You know, uh, when people are kids... They'll go, they'll have three months off in the summer and their grandparents will look after them in the summer homes. So there's a familiarity. Uh, and because the climate dictates people's schedules there, right? You've got to think about this. You have six, seven months of bleak winter, thick snow, and you only have about two months max of good weather. So for people in the Nordics, the the cabin is a retreat um it's a social retreat is as it is a much a retreat from people but there's so much space right it's a so it's an abundance of space uh and that's something we don't really have here you know yeah. we're essentially just how like everything here is just an autopilot so you think about london compared to like scandinavia like if, you know if you're getting have many feet of snow every winter you've got to plan your life around that yeah. and it really brings you into the present moment yeah whereas london i mean we've got train strikes at the moment the whole the whole city yeah. goes nuts as soon as yeah. there's some train strikes people just can't <laughs> deal with it at yeah. all yeah completely and also in those cultures in the nordic cultures they have elements of ritual that they still do i'm not talking about religious ritual i'm talking about the sauna for example these are deeply embedded rituals pagan in root but they still very much um really really love those rituals you know on the weekend on a sunday they'll all go to the sauna they'll sweat it out um it's quite normal for them to be naked and talk to each other that <laughs> you experienced all that yet Shafi, not it? me okay i mean i've done a sauna but in my shorts right. have you have you changed since you moved have i changed um that's a really good question i think uh a little bit in terms of, as a Londoner, I, I never appreciated nature. Like, Hampstead Heath was my nature. Well, Hampstead Heath's pretty good, to be fair. As far as it goes, it's pretty as good, far as parks... For in, it's in not really a forest, place. right? I mean, Dave's, Dave's from the South Coast, so it's like, it's not, it doesn't compete. So, you know, I, it's... Nature wasn't in me, but now I've got an appreciation of... I've got, I've got a sandy beach... 20 minutes away from me on the Baltic Sea. Yeah, so when you're saying nature in Tallinn, like what does that look like? Is it, is it very green as a city? You mentioned the sea. Like what is you it You get like? a bus, a five-minute bus from the centre, and you're within the Baltic Sea where there's sandy beaches. One of my favourite beaches is Perita Beach, and basically it's a stretch of golden sand, and it immediately turns into a forest. It's incredible. Um, it's such an underrated patch, but... I think for me, the connect. We talk about connections a lot of the time. You move to a new country, you're seeking connections. It's not just human connection; it's connection with your surroundings, and that is what I wanted. And something got I kind of missed in the UK. I didn't have in the UK. And you, you mentioned before we started recording that uh, you found Estonian people to have like a deep quiet inside themselves. Yeah. 
how, how have you, you know, you're talking about being extroverted, talking a lot, like, how have you found your interactions with, with the locals oh, of God? Oh my God. Guys, when I first moved, right, I went to the supermarket and you do that thing, you go to the cashier and you be like, how are you? I did that there. <laughs> and this, oh, like this Estonian grandmother looked at me like she was going to call the police. Like, it's just small talk's not a thing. Um, it's, it's, Again, it's when you go to a new country, you realize it's not just what people say, it's how they act. Um, there is a deep reservation there, which I'm I'm still trying to I'm trying to observe without being judgmental. And that's one thing I miss actually about the UK is uh, here we've got diversity of ideas. I'm not talking about diversity of people. I'm talking about diversity in the way people think, whereas pros and cons here, but an element to living there is that it can be quite monocultural. Um, but th- that's the thing. You go to new places and you you have to understand the mindset of people. It's not black or white. I was going to ask you, Hector, before you set up Unplugged, presumably you had kind of a scope of cabin culture globally and in the UK and Europe and was like the Scandinavian cabin culture, is that something you looked at and you thought, oh, that, that's interesting, we'd like to replicate that? Or how did it, how did your kind of uh, research and development before Unplugged happen? Or was it just like, bang, we'll start? No, it was even more than that. So we, you know, we fundamentally didn't know anything about cabins. So we, we uh, looked around for what's out there concept-wise. So I, I went to stay with a company in the US, went to stay with a company in Belgium, just, just kind of gauge a bit of what's going on. And then eventually we we're like, look, we, we don't know anything about this. So, yeah, let's, let's find a Swedish company. So our first cabin was actually built by a, a Swedish company. Uh, we then brought the manufacturing over to the UK. But So it's very much ingrained in our cabins, the design. And uh, I mean, even Estonia is a real a real uh, cabin hub. You know, there's there's many, many. It's a very cool company called Oud House, which is like these glass cabins. And they're, you know, a, a big export from Estonia. So uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a place to watch. But yeah, it's, it's really in the culture there. You know, it's like uh, people just... They just get it, and a lot of it is that you know, the cabins are a means to to an end, which is being in nature rather than the the end itself. Yeah, so, yeah, and th- they are deeply rooted in nature, and I think it might go back to their pagan roots. Whereas I feel like maybe in Western Europe, not just Britain, but I think Western Europe, we we've lost a little bit of that connection. I think in our ancestral ways, or you know, our connection to nature. I don't know what it is, but in that part of the world, they still value that. It's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of what's worked so far, is right. We've just taken that idea, basically, um, which you know has obviously been done quite widely, and it's just getting people for us offline and and also into nature, and and that's it. It does the job for you because you know if you walk through a forest, you do just get this kind of deep sense of calm compared with walking down you know Camden High Street. So yeah, it makes a big difference. That's yeah, a different kind of vibe for sure. I mean, Shafi, you also I think this summer you went to an Estonian. I'm basing this purely off your Instagram photos, but like you went to some Estonian festival that was in the middle of the forest. Oh, yeah. But I can't remember what you said it was called. It was Midsummer. Okay. Uh, so Midsummer is a thing there. Um, height of summer solstice. And uh, basically everybody comes out. Every, the whole population comes out of their homes and they go into the countryside and they light these massive bonfires and kind of everyone dances around. Uh, and it's again it's connected to this paganism that they have deeply in their culture but um it's it's a celebration of of nature of 
being grateful for what nature gives, I suppose, is, is very Nordic. Um, it's really intense because the sun is... I open my window one day up and the sun is still out there. I'm thinking, what on earth is going on? It doesn't set in the sun. It doesn't it's set. Not, it, it, there's it, a period it, of time where it barely sets. It's, it's on the horizon. So you, you open your window and you can still see the yellowness of the sun on the horizon. It's odd. There's an intensity. And I've, I've said this a lot. It's like, I love summer in London. I think it's a great vibe here. But in the Nordics and the Baltics, there's a quality. I've never seen that colour blue before in the sky. It's what I'd call powdery blue. I, I, when people go to New Zealand, for example, they're like, oh my God, have you seen the sky? It's similar to that. Um, it's, it's intense. There's something very Scandinavian. I read a, uh, a really good book called Wintering, which is about basically going through winters in life, you know, so going through grief, going through trauma. And uh, it basically highlights this point that we are built to winter, you know. And I think, again, we are, obviously the UK is a very seasonal country, but we may be a little bit more oblivious, but we're just going full out all of the time. But I feel like in Scandinavian culture, that they like embrace the darkness in the winter yeah. and the, the coziness, etc. And then likewise, summer, you know, they, they really feel it more and, and their whole culture is, is built around that. That's it. They have rituals matter to them and they celebrate every season whereas here I feel like we just go flat out until Christmas mm. then we've got like Christmas and Boxing yeah, yeah. Day New Year so and then we're back on Christmas and you're back on it and uh... you know and it it's funny no, it's yeah okay before I moved I did I thought the UK is quite seasonal it's not the UK is not a seasonal place we're quite flat actually and maybe it's because climate change as well we're kind of warming up but there the seasons are really distinct and I think it's something fundamental in our humanity where you want to feel the changes of the season. You want to be able to note that time is passing and time is cyclical, which they still have. And it's quite beautiful. Yeah, it's a good point about like today's October the 5th and it could feasibly be June the 5th. Yeah, I'm so, I was shocked. 5th. I landed. And, you know, what is it? I don't know, 18, 20 degrees. Like, it, it's, it's one of those days in the UK that is just, uh, yeah, it could be any time. But a lot of that is like a side effect of just how we're living nowadays because not to to bang the unplugged drum too much, but you know, like the the signs are there if you look for it. And I actually feel like as people do find more peace and you know, all of these things, then you do start to notice things like the season's changing and actually you get a lot out of that. So I, I do feel like it happens here, but it's just, it's not baked into the culture, especially a big city like London. Yeah, it, it's a mindset. And I feel like, British culture has Americanized within the last 15 years. Our work culture, people are overeating. People are overworking. We're hyperactive. And that's, those are things that, you know, maybe I was, I wasn't aware of until I was about to leave for Estonia, where I'd reached, again, the pandemic. You know, everyone says the pandemic was a bit of a breaking point for them. And I feel like uh, we've Americanized too much. I'm not talking about TV. I'm talking about the way we think, which is continuously on. And you know this as a journalist. You always kind of have to be switched on. And uh, it's it's dangerous. It's really dangerous. Mm. What's, um, what's it like in Estonia? Because obviously you mentioned a lot of the, like, the, the, the balance in Estonia and the connection with nature and everything like that. But it's mm. still like Tallinn uh, still has like these big, big tech companies right like bolt wise like they're but they're out of estonia so yeah how, how do you think yeah. people balance that like i mean they're, they're still putting in an awful lot of hours 
It's an odd one. Uh, so yeah, you're right. Estonia is, has become a tech hub. Uh, I think it's got the highest amount of unicorns per capita in Europe. Um, I think it's ranked third in the world for the fastest growing tech sector in the in the in anywhere in the world. Um, so it's really digitalized society. Uh, actually, they've got they've had e-voting in their general elections for twenty years. Yeah, we're still, we, you know, we're still doing it on paper. You know, they're, they're, it's really deeply embedded, but they've got a balance of being connected and having high tech literacy, right? I think internet freedom. They uh, there was a poll that came out this week. Every year, um, there's a survey on internet freedom. Estonia ranks second for internet freedom. What that means is that most of the population has access to the internet plus digital literacy second in the world so you have this duality of they're really hyper connected but going back to what we were saying they have these rituals in their culture where they switch off i go for a walk at 4 p.m in Tallinn, and people on their bike and they're going out for a hike with their kids in the forest it's just it's just it's an interest we talk about remote work and actually, funnily enough, remote work hasn't really kicked off in Estonia. The reason why is they've already got the balance of their lifestyle. So in a way, they don't really need it. That's what the Estonians have said. It's like, yeah, we work. So we, don't, we, we can switch off. So in a way, we don't really need remote working. It's for you guys that can't switch off. And is that the same at these big tech unicorns or, or do they adopt more of an American culture? Yeah, so as I went to Bolt's headquarters couple of months ago i kind of poked them i was like are you, are you guys doing remote working and they were like actually you've got everyone in the office which was an odd thing for a big tech company to do but they're like look we we don't have a policy of nine to five you can do whatever you want but we need people in and you know we can debate their pros and cons of that on another podcast but um there is a sense that they don't have a hyper capitalist culture i think and that's the difference between having a tech sector and having having a hyper capitalist culture they're actually two different things so why, why do you think there are so many uh being a small country remember it's population of one million guys one million we've got 10 million in london alone they've got highly collaborative mindset so in the nordics they work with finland they work with sweden and they've got a lot of investment in. Also, you have to remember, 1991, the Iron Curtain fell. So when it came to rebuilding the country, they didn't have to go through the pains that bigger Western European countries have had. They just skipped all that and they just went, okay, right, we're going to build from scratch, but we're going to do it quickly and efficiently. Uh, so that's helped them in some ways. Uh <laughs> It'll be interesting to see whether they'll inherit some of our Western European connectivity, hyper-connectivity. I'm not sure if they will. They might. Um, But yeah, collaboration is key in their culture. And that has really helped them to develop a mindset we don't have in the UK of collaboration. And this goes back to the essence of unplugging. Is I think in some ways... If you're on hyper-individualistic culture, you you start to almost want to connect even more. I don't know if that makes sense or not. 
and then we've got this problem where we're almost so individualistic we want to connect a bit too much because it's a vacuum in our lives whereas over there it's the other way around I think Shafi you um I feel, I you I sell feel like the I'm country, talking like a philosopher here. No, almost. no, no, but you, you sell the country fantastically. Like, uh, should definitely be on the tourism board. And, and, stuff like that. and actually, like, I'm in a WhatsApp group with Shafi where whenever there's, like, a good news story, I think I might have sent this to you, like, for example, like, Estonian air quality is, like, crazy good, isn't it? Compared They're in to, the like, top everyone. three in the world. I mean, I know quality. the Nordics and the Baltics are like that generally. Yeah. But, like, Estonia is, like, right, right up there, which when- is something you don't notice. Like, if you live in London, you never think about air quality. Well, I don't, until you leave. And then it hits you like, oh, that's what clean air feels like. Oh, when I moved, the first thing I noticed, I smelt the air. I was like, oh, there's a quality to the air here. You know, you can smell the leaves. Like, I can't describe it. <laughs> I really can't, but it's just odd. It's odd to say that the air is something to, to think about. So could you, could you see yourself from now like really embracing Estonian culture? Or do you think you're, you're you know, always going to be a bit of a Londoner? Oh, there's a conflict in me. Because I'm back here. And I'm like, oh, the food is great. I can get any food in the world here. The art scene, you know, you go to museums, all these kind of things. And it's difficult because, you know, I'm 32 and my network is here still. Um, you know, I'm still, when I'm in Estonia, most of my time on my phone and I'm messaging people back home. 99% of the people I know are back here or in Europe. So I'm on my phone a lot messaging people. Uh, so it's it's a difficult one. Um, Sounds like you could do with a stay at I'm uh, <laughs> probably a second stay, Shabby, because you have yeah, stayed at I'm home before. I have, and it was funny because uh, when I stayed in your cabin, the, in, it was February 2022, and the Ukraine war had just kicked off. Oh wow! And I had been asked by a publication I was working at the time to do a story. I think it was the first week of the Ukraine war. And I was like okay i've i've really got to switch off but mentally i've got to do this story about uh russian money in london so like actually it was needed that oh, wow. cabin came at a crisis time and i needed it yeah we'll have to <laughs> seek out that story in the end. um but yeah like it's a big city small city dynamic it's it's a difficult one because uh i crave i went to stockholm a couple of weeks ago and i absolutely loved it and for me, that is like my ideal city where you have enough people to have ideas, creative ideas, but to not have this hyperactivity. That's the balance. How do you find that compared with Tallinn? Oh, it made Tallinn look provincial. <laughs> like, it looked like a village. Tallinn looks like a village compared to someone at Stockholm. Um, but there are elements of London that I now love that I didn't love until I left. You were talking earlier about the quiet in Tallinn. Yeah. Is, that, is there an element of that still in Stockholm? Or? Yeah, there is. There really is. But when we talk about quiet, there's almost a social conformity in Estonia that I've noticed uh, where I'm not a particularly loud person. But over there, I feel like I'm loud. Um, and there's this kind of a social pressure to be quiet, to almost restrict yourself. I think it comes from the Soviet era where an Estonian told me this. They were like, in the Soviet era, if you laughed in public, somebody will come up to you and say, why are you laughing? What do you have to laugh about? What are you hiding? It's interesting how cultures are born and made and they're passed on down the generations. It's, yeah, because I mean, that's basically how Americans see Brits, you know, like we're the reserve ones and then we go to, yeah. we go to the Scandies and yeah. it's, uh, it's a, a whole nother level. But yeah, I think there's something about 
history you know like even in the uk we we have the weight of history on our shoulders a lot more a lot more than the us and and that does make for a more reserved culture like you see you see a lot of kind of the european but maybe it's just the north european so it might be something to do with the cold and dark as well but yeah whenever i go there as well whenever i've been there it is hard to there's so many great things about Scandinavia and, and, and that region, but like the word sterile does come up quite often. Maybe that's just like going from London to when I was in Stockholm. I thought, wow, like you can eat your food off the street. Everyone here has a beautiful life. Like you, all your friends have like a cabin or a countryside place. But like there is, the, there is a feeling that it feels quite sterile. Everything was like a museum. Like you can't touch anything. It's almost too perfect, isn't it? Possibly, so yeah. I mean, you know, obviously Sweden's got its own problems does, and like yeah. there's some interesting stories coming out of there at the moment. But yeah, from it, the outside of looking in, it feels like that. I miss a bit of chaos, guys. That's the one thing in London, you know, when you, like, you turn a street and you're like, holy, what is going on here? Like, audible here. Mm. You don't get that in talent. <laughs> Everything is very linear. And that is one thing I miss. I also miss the infusion of different communities. Like you get in London, like you can meet anyone in the world here. Whereas over there, it's still quite monocultural. And uh, it's a tricky one. Um, it's just different histories. And do people use their phone less there? Or do you think it's just a... You know, because if there's so many... It's a smaller city. In theory, there's less... There's less... Uh, yeah, there's less like chaos. They're more connected with nature. You've got the fresh air quality, the balance of life. But ultimately, do you think that does translate to less use and reliance on screens and tech? I mean, I'm not asking for the statistics, but just like anecdotally what you see. I don't think there's a correlation. Um, There's a lot of things they do that don't make sense. So like the car usage is really high. I know it's not connected to phones, but there is a correlation where we talk about nature, the connection to nature, but you... There's so many cars. It's an it's an odd dynamic. Um, I don't know whether people are using their phones less there, but what is interesting is that because it's such a small population, everybody's connected to everybody. So when I got there, people were like, "You're one person away from the prime minister," and that came, that was actually came true. <laughs> so basically, I went for a walk. Back, this was back in June. I went for a walk in Tallinn. And then I bumped into this this girl. She was like 23, so a young woman uh, outside Parliament. She was demonstrating. Uh, she was, it turned out she was uh, the youngest MP in the country. She's 23 years old. She was doing a demonstration about climate change. She just had a chat. Half an hour into this chat, she was like, do you want to come into Parliament? I'll show you around. That would never happen in the UK. People are like, oh, do you want to go into Westminster and I'll give you a tour? Um, and then we, you know, we kept in touch. And then like, I did a piece on her the other day in like, an interview where I met her in Parliament as well. And then she was like, do you want to, have a, do you want to chat to the Prime Minister? She's right there. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I talked to the Prime Minister of Estonia spontaneously for 10 minutes. Uh, again, it wouldn't, you wouldn't like bump into Rishi Sunak and like, just have a riff with him. And you spoke about the, the quiet in Estonians. Was, was that true of the Prime Minister? They they have a, an efficiency to their words. Yeah, they use their words less. Um, I don't know what it is, but there is a sort of a, a melancholic tone to even the way they talk. It's a difficult one because um, I'm somebody as a journalist. You've got to read people's body language as much as what they say. Uh, but yeah, the. the they're really connected as a people because there's so few of them, which is a real strong point. 
but getting into that society is difficult as well as an outsider because there's so little of them but yeah whether it impacts their phone usage i don't really know yeah yeah but one thing they do do is that in the summer they take two three months off not everybody but most people take two three months off it's astonishing Mm. so when you talk about unplugging it's it's deep in their culture. Do they stay in Tallinn or do they... No, everybody leaves. So you get this in Sweden and Finland as well. Everybody leaves the city and it's deserted in summer. And everyone's, everyone's in their summer cottage. And we think of a cottage as being quite fancy. It's not. It's really basic. You know, there's no probably no running electricity. Um, I know you've got your compost toilets <laughs> in your cabins, which were, you know, as a city boy, London boy, I was like, what is going on here? Um, good for good for nature though you know I'll give you that <laughs> that's what they have that is essentially their culture yeah yeah it's, it's fascinating so you're going to live there forever Shepard oh I don't know man I don't know it's uh, oh, I do miss my takeaways once in a while <laughs> um, we'll see I mean I'm really enjoying sampling Nordic culture I think we've got a lot to learn from Nordic culture um but for me it's it's more you know i can see myself in sweden or denmark um, or the netherlands one of those countries and you said i might come back home i might but um i don't want to go too political but there's a deterioration to the quality of life here that is pushing people out and i hope that changes you know just not just materialistically but psychologically there's something deteriorating here that I want that makes me quite sad actually seeing as an outsider and maybe you guys disagree but um, maybe I'll be back but right now I'm enjoying it I think everyone's a harsh critic of their own country right (laughs) yeah yeah so it's um, and you kind of I think you more have the right when you you know especially like you're born and bred here I take your kind of criticism of London more seriously than you know someone that's been here a couple of years even though of course they can they can voice that but yeah um, very interesting. Would you, ever, would you guys ever move to? <laughs> I still need to see what it is on the map. I think. Yeah, I'm still like, waiting for you to come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you been in that part of the world? Uh, no, I actually had an invite to go and see these these glass caverns in in February when you when you moved out there. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't didn't take them up. So I, I might might do it next year. But I'd love to. Yeah. I think it's. Uh, I feel like as we're trying to build unplug now, you want to go to the extremes. You know, you want yeah. to go to the Estonian winter and really, really experience that many places in the world where you have the extremities of, of climate, you know, not, not with climate change and places warming up. Like it's, it's getting more difficult to find those places. Um, and one other thing actually that I forgot to mention is there's not many European capital cities where you go for a walk at night and you see the stars. So a couple of weeks ago, I went for a walk at 10 PM. And I looked up, I was like, Oh my God, I can see the constellation here. again going back to air quality and i was like wow okay like this is something you're really grateful for and then again in london light pollution it you do no you've got to go into the english countryside to see that yeah is that something with the cabins do you have um, any specific cabin hector that's like more that there's like less air pollution that people comment more on the stars in the sky or is it just across the board it's a good question haven't haven't run the numbers i mean it's just a case of get the further away from london you get the better it gets but there's something very humbling about about looking up at because you're well imagine like yeah it's, yeah it's beautiful yeah 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 and there's I guess uh, yeah I mean 
it's it's difficult to recreate that starry sky right you can you can have all the cabin you can have all of that but you can't guarantee a starry sky uh so yeah maybe maybe you should go into lapland you know have those what do you call it the aurora green yeah the um there was it the aurora green skies northern lights yeah yeah one for you to do sometime <laughs> there's it's seeing the stars a proper starry night is so humbling as well it's kind of like the ocean, isn't it? I mean, everyone knows what that is instinctively, like when, you, when you're faced with that kind of massive, uh, um, yeah, that massive sense of nature and how insignificant you are. But it's, yeah, yeah. it hits you every time. Yeah, like every human who's ever existed has looked up at basically the same stars, which is mad. Like, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to quite get your head around just how... Yeah, you, all, of, all of your problems are pretty insignificant next to, like, the, yeah. the sheer magnitude of... Yeah, completely, and, like... Next door to so, I mean, there's a war going on in that region. Like Russia's next door. There's so many problems, but I'm not saying this is going to solve global wars and problems. But you know, being feeling like you're connected to something higher. You know, we're not. I'm not talking about religion necessarily, but I'm talking about some a, a feeling that you have, a gut instinct, and that is what we need more of. Yeah, we were talking about um, the Netflix documentary Blue Zones. I don't know whether you've uh, watched that, Shafi, but um, it was very interesting how uh, it's a a Netflix documentary that focused on parts of the world where an unusual amount of people reach the age of 100, like Centurions. You might have heard of like, you know, there's a a pocket of Japan and Italy and Greece. And uh, and one of the major takeaways was um, connection to to religion. And, you know, you can see why that is. You don't have to be a religious person to, to... to completely relate to what you just said about being connected to something higher. Yeah, yeah, completely. And it's like, you know, sacred spaces, for example. I just came back from Sarajevo a couple of weeks ago and my God, it's, it's, it's an incredible place. And one of the things that makes it incredible is the amount of sacred places where it's quiet. You go in, whether it's a mosque or a church or a synagogue, and you walk in and it's quiet and it's free and you don't have to, you don't have to um, necessarily know people there you can just go in and i think that's what maybe we're lacking a little bit here is this accessibility to spaces where you can just switch off and um contemplate or reflect we need more of that um i know people say oh you can go to an art gallery or that's just like no tate modern doesn't cut it come on um, Some nice stuff in there at the moment, though, Shafi. Oh, <laughs> was actually there the other day. Yeah, no, they've oh, got. Shit. They've actually, interestingly, in the Tate Modern, they've got a. They've tried to replicate like the Starry Night. I don't know if you've been in this in the last like year, yeah. but they've got an exhibition that, that just tries to replicate that. Okay, uh, I stand corrected. With it. Well, not 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 quite because it is a you know, it's a poor imitation, but yeah. I also think there's something like the the, the calmest. I mean, I obviously do silent retreats or you know goes down our cabins that kind of thing i think the the calmest i've been was i stopped drinking about three and a half years ago after a decade of doing it pretty heavily and the first new year's eve after i stopped drinking i remember walking through what went some in, in central london and like walking through leicester square was just chaos around me and i was stone cold sober like there was just something so peaceful around that so, so i mean the point there is like you can find it anywhere or almost in the most unexpected of places so i think you know it's more inside of you and i think that the more you can quieten yourself then the more the the outside world yeah and it's also about having daily practices i think like 
I grew up in a Muslim family, so like we were taught about prayer five times a day, and like I think a lot of practices, whether they're religious or spiritual, whatever you want to call it, there is something that binds them all. Is that there's a there's a physical practice of prayer or reflection or meditating or yoga. Um, I feel like we could learn a lot. That you don't necessarily have to believe God or whatever, but there's something that I think is really important there about practice. Yeah, I mean, basically every trend that's come out of Silicon Valley in the last couple of decades, you know, yoga, meditation, fasting, you name it, religion's been doing for thousands of years. Alcohol is also, I think that's an interesting point because I, I don't drink. I don't think you drink as well. Like, uh, no, once in a blue moon. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and that's also though, the idea of stimulation. It's not just outside, it's inside as well, isn't it? 